And now with the onset of the wonderful World Wide Web continuing to grow and improve as technology improves, we've moved from a local-based economy to a global economy. And being able to pull the resources on a global level gives us so much more flexibility, opportunity, and allows us to be more of the business leaders that we want to be. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in the studio, I've got joining me Jamie J. He describes himself as a coach, dreamer, and connector. And uh, if you uh, look at his website and you uh, look for Jamie a little bit online, uh, I found a really interesting quote, and it said, there's not a court in America that would ever convict Jamie of a crime because he would probably know someone on the jury. And my experience with Jamie has been he is a, he is a connector. He is a gentleman and he is very uh, polite and uh, gracious and how he helps businesses and individuals to grow. So he challenges himself every day and he's an amateur hockey player. He's a starter geek who enjoys helping um, his clients to rediscover themselves and ask their why. So Jamie's got lots of experience in the uh, marketing space, in the podcasting space, and we're going to cover a lot of these topics today. But more importantly, we're going to dive deep on how to leverage your time, how to consider outsourcing, um, hiring remote staff to either help you start a side hustle if you're working someplace else if you're or if you're an entrepreneur and running your own company. How can you get some help so you can focus on what really matters in terms of driving your business, increasing your sales and expanding your reach? So I'd encourage you to tune just to sit back, tune in, listen in and enjoy the conversation with Jamie. So with that said, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast, Jamie. Hey, uh, Jamie, I am so excited to uh, have you uh, as my guest today on the Real Marketing Podcast. So uh, welcome. Thank you so much, Doug. I, I I can't even tell you how excited I am to chat with you today. Well, I mean, we, you know, obviously for our listeners, what you don't know is Jamie and I are in a mastermind. So we get to hang out and do a video call once a week. And so it was just super excited to hear that he could get me into the schedule and he could join us and share his superpower. So I want to turn it over to you and I want you to tell our listeners, what is your superpower? My superpower is helping companies stop the bottleneck within their business. Uh, oftentimes it's it's you, it's me, it's the business owners that uh, are in the way of our own selves. And so my superpower is helping people identify that they most likely are the bottleneck in a very, very nice way and showing them <laughs> how to remove themselves somewhat and allow for someone to come in and support them so that they can scale the company or do whatever it is they want to do to achieve whatever success means to them. Well, and I like that. I like your approach because you do it in a nice way. So I'd have to, uh, conf you know, just confirm that, yes, you are very polite and gentle when you talk to people. And my approach uh, tends to be uh, offensive and a bit more in their face. So I appreciate your gentleness and telling people that there's a, a better way to, to tackle this problem. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I've uh, a good friend of mine, Christopher Lockhead. He he called the other day and he says, Jamie, you are the nicest guy in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. So what, what do you explain? So, you know, I, I've had experience with VAs and it's been a good experience and I've had, you know, I've had local staff. So our company's, you know, not huge. I think at one point our, the most uh, local staff we had were, were 20 full-time staff. And then we got into the uh, the remote world and I have to blame Tim Ferriss on that because a friend of mine gave me his four-hour workweek book. And mm -hmm. so it opened up you know, my eyes to something I didn't really know existed for business owners or, 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 you know, C-level people. I always thought, oh, it's the big companies, it's the AT&Ts and it's the LinkedIn's and the Amazon's and everybody else that's, that's overseas. So why don't you just kind of explain what that marketplace looks like? So, yeah. So he, he was a catalyst to a lot of people exploring he, meaning Tim Ferriss, exploring the opportunity of really reducing the amount of hours that you work. And and before I get into that, if it's okay, I, I, I'm a big, firm believer in life balance, not 
work-life balance, the quality of life, including work, personal, uh, family, and, and, and enjoying it all. Um, yes, uh, there's going to be challenging times, of course, for everybody. But I really believe that the bigger picture of hiring smart and, and getting support and and being okay with delegation really, really improves your quality of life. So the goal is for people out there, solopreneurs, business owners, uh, small, medium-sized businesses, the reason that they did this, or at least this has been one of the most feedback that I get from my clients is the reason they started their business was so that they could have a better life. And oftentimes, probably too many times, they start a business and they basically created a job for themselves. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why so many businesses fail, because people just get so sick and tired of what was once an exciting opportunity for them that has now turned into, oh, geez, I have to go into work or, oh, I have to do this. And, um, you know, I, I hate seeing that because... Uh, the the world, in my opinion, is built on the entrepreneurial spirit. We, as business leaders, as business owners, we we drive the economy. We give people opportunities to earn an income. And now, with the onset of the wonderful World Wide Web continuing to grow and improve as technology improves, we've moved from a local-based economy to a global economy. And being able to pull the resources on a global level gives us so much more flexibility, opportunity, and allows us to be more of the business leaders that we want to be unleashes on a serious amount of creativity. Because how many times do you stop during the day and just think like, <laughs> this is crazy. And I look back a couple of years ago, and I was just doing, doing, doing. I wasn't being, being, being. And a lot of that I attribute to just taking some time every single day and thinking. And my my word for the year, I always have a word for the year. I'm working on 2019 right now as of the date of this call recording. But my word of the year was focus. And I have a, an acronym for that. And it's finding opportunities by creating uninterrupted strategy sessions. And if you really break that down, it's taking time to think. Just think about things. And without the luxury and the unbelievable support I have from my team, it would be very hard for me to take a moment just to think. That's interesting. I don't think we've had that type of discussion before in the podcast. I mean, I'm, I do that more now than I've ever done in my life. I mean, we've moved into to an area where, you know, we're in a beautiful setting. So I'll often just go into the yard and the back and sit by the river and, and just think. And sometimes I bring a notepad to take notes and other times I don't. I just go there and it's just to clear your mind. And years ago, I did a trip. Uh, we did a trip to Israel and uh, we went out and we did this walk through the desert and followed the Roman road. And um, the guy that was leading, our pastor was leading. He said, what do you think? I said, man, that was like a waste of time. Like we're just walking. It was just hot and dusty and I don't get why we're there. And like, I wanted to do, 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 do stuff. Right. And then we got back into Israel. He says, now, what do you think? I'm thinking, man, I like the quiet. So now, now <laughs> for me, that was the first time that I actually understood that there's so much noise around us all the time that it's almost impossible to get any thinking time unless you book it and get away and shut everything off. It really is. I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's a, that's a great example of this. And I think that we get caught up so much in the, not only the day to day, but literally the hour to hour or the minute to minute. What's next? answer this email, post that on social media. I got to make this call. I have this meeting. Hey, I'm sorry. I got to run. I got to do this. I, I'm prepared, you know, and it, it really kind of consumes your life. And all of a sudden, before you know it, oh my gosh, that life balance has dissipated. And I am a huge advocate of trying my darndest to enjoy every aspect of the day. And I, I said it before, it's you, challenges are going to come up. But boy, the difference between having the support that I have now versus before trying to be everything and do everything, it's night and day difference. And I don't need to be focusing on, okay, did this did this image get uh, done and uploaded to uh, the blog? It did, you know, is this, is this out there on social media? I, you know, 
I, of course, I, I, I'm going to manage that and make sure everything is going well. But I get to focus on having conversations with you and, and doing stuff that really, really gives me energy. And, and it has just the freedom that I have now is amazing. And I just watched a TED talk earlier by a good friend of mine, Mark Asquith, who talks about the control, having the control. He was, he went to New York for a, a client meeting, but he owned the company at this point. And uh, he got a phone call and immediately he dropped everything, hopped on the plane, went back to England and got to spend an hour with his, with his grandpa who passed away an hour after he got there. And had he not had the control in his life and was and, and the systems in place to be able to have that freedom, he wouldn't have been able to say goodbye to his grandpa. And it's, it's things like that that really matter. And it's so hard for many people to understand this, but it's truly bigger than what it seems uh, when I go down to the basics and the fundamentals of, of hiring a virtual assistant or supporting your, your or scaling your business with remote assistance. It, it, it really is an eye opener in, in my opinion. Well, and I think I heard uh, Matthew Kimberly say it really well. We're at a conference with Chris Ducker in London and and uh, Matthew was speaking and he was talking about, you know, speaking and, and, and sort of his business model and making money. And he was saying that it wasn't really focused on the fact that he had the freedom and he had the money. So it was that wasn't the that wasn't the goal was to build this big wealth. It was being able to make decisions and help people. So like you said, being able to hop on the plane, being able to to spend time time with a family member or be able to help somebody that's important to you or just generally help. If we're so busy running around with our hair on fire, we're not looking after, like you said, ourselves physically. I, I experienced that. You're not looking after your family. And so, you know, what are you, what are you doing it all for? And, you know, you, you are a person that exercises often. You're in good health. And, and for me, I got to work out yesterday for the first time in a long time. So Sarah, my girlfriend, has been forcing me to do that and a little sore today, but I was happy. After I was done, I was like, oh, that felt good. Um, but in, in, this is where I say it's okay to be selfish. It's actually, it's actually you, you must be selfish. And I think selfish in what I'm about to explain is okay, is relevant to what we're speaking about right now. And that is how can you possibly help or take care of anybody else if you don't take care of yourself first? And I mean, I can use this if I'm talking about bottleneck. I can use this if I'm talking to you uh, and learning from you. And it's it's all about taking care of yourself first so that you can support others and support the dreams and and the desires of whatever it is that you want to do. Well, and if you think that, you know, um, your ability to perform your job, whether you're the CEO, you're the CMO, or you're a solopreneur is dependent on you being in good health physically and mentally so you can perform it, you know, be at peak performance. I mean, that's why I do it. You're right. So it's, it's selfish. It's really not about uh, me posting selfies. It's really about me being able to, to think and have endurance and have energy and have a clear mind. So that's why I exercise, not, not to look a certain way or to whatever, right? I mean, that's, well, that's a side benefit of being able to go into a store and buy clothes. That's nice to be able to buy them, but that's right. not that. That's not the the biggest benefit that I see. So let's move over to how do you transition? So you know we've all experienced stuff in our life, and and look back and go, well, that wasn't a great decision. So how did you move from running around with your hair on fire like most of us have done to realizing I need some balance and I need to outsource? I need to have some people on my team to do that. This is a really good question. <laughs> I I struggled with control in the very beginning. And I also struggled with finance, uh, finances in the beginning. And I was so scared that if I hired somebody, I wouldn't be able to afford them. And I didn't know how I was actually going to make this work because I had really never really done it well before. And I'd had some some you know challenging experiences in the past so it was very challenging for me and i find out from a lot of my clients this is one of their main concerns is can they afford to do this so getting over that hurdle and just saying you know what do it and i just jumping in and doing it really helped me understand now it was a little tight in the beginning but i learned that when i jumped into it a, a little bit early i was 
my goal was, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it for six months and see how it goes. I, I gave myself a time, but what I didn't do that if I went back in time right now, I would have had my systems and processes ironed out from day one, I would have started. And if it's me being a solopreneur, why would I have systems and processes? Because I'm not ready to hire yet. Well, the biggest lesson I learned was to do something as if it's the last time I'm ever going to do it. That's one of my favorite mantras. Every time I do anything in, in my business, I write down step-by-step step what it is that I do. When I start something new, I record the process and how I achieved that particular goal or finished that particular task. And what that does is it puts me in a position where down the road, when I'm ready to delegate or hire or, or, or do something like that, my systems, my workflows are already there. And here's the biggest part that I learned about that. Me being kind of a control freak, <laughs> whether I do stuff right or wrong, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but what, what I found was when I first hired somebody, I'm like, how did, how did you know? I don't want it like that. I want it like this. And, yeah. and obviously I was, I was a bit kinder, but for the sake of time, <laughs> I want it like this. I want it done this way. And they would reply back, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, I apologize. I didn't understand that. And doggone it, they were totally right. Because I was just, I have all this stuff in my head. How do you not know this? Like, yeah. And and so the best way to maintain not only my brand integrity but my tone and my voice is to write down the step by step process in the ways that I do things, and that way their expect life, expectation levels are are set from the get go. And then what I found out, which was a big shock to me and a big surprise at the time, not only did they start doing things that. I appreciated and my expectations were met. Not only that, but they were exceeding my expectations and they were tweaking the processes that I wrote down for the better. And so I was able to learn ways to improve the processes that I was doing and it completely blew my mind. And once I understood that, I was able to start building more and more and more. And of course, challenges come along the way as well. As you, as you well know, as yep, you grow, yep. you, you, you discover a new set of challenges, which we recently learned in our mastermind. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it wasn't until I actually pulled the trigger, went through the steps, learned about the experience, and just dedicated my time to improving that process, was I able to achieve you know, the success that I've achieved so far. Well, let's share with the listeners because, you know, uh, you know, I know what you do and you, obviously you know what you do um, specifically. I mean, you're helping people to hire uh, remote VAs. Is that the best way to describe that? Exactly. We help stop the bottleneck in your business. <laughs> right. And by, by using remote staff. So generally, where are the, the staff that you're hiring? Where are they being hired from geographically? They're being hired from the, from the Philippines. I've been sourcing from the Philippines since 2006. So as of the time of this recording, about 12, a little bit over 12 years. And I've just fell in love with the culture, uh, with their talent, uh, with the level of the respect and their level of motivation to want to do really good things. And in the global concept of the ripple effect or giving back, we're able to support so many people and improve lives all over the world. So what what's some of the uh, feedback that you hear when you when you mention this? I'll, I'll let you go first, because I remember when I said I was going to start that, I got a bunch of feedback immediately from my business peers. Um, so, yeah. you know, we're saying, hey, you know, here's an opportunity for you to leverage your time, take the stuff that you're either not good at or the stuff that can be done by somebody else and give it to somebody else to do. But they're not going to be in your office. You're not going to pay for rent. You're not going to pay for a desk. You're not going to give them a computer, pay for a parking spot and all those other things. So um, why don't you just share kind of what you hear and not necessarily they're correct, but what feedback do you get when you first, when you talk about this in, in a business setting? Sure. There's, there's two types of people that I'll speak with. One is that I've had experience, some experience before, either good or, or poor. And the other is that they haven't had any experience. In, in both cases, they're both scared, in my opinion. And I just, I just say that to define the, the different adjectives that I could use to, to describe that. But basically what I find is the first thing that they say, well, is can they speak English? Uh, they're from the Philippines. Can they speak English? And what a lot of people don't know is that 
100% of all universities in the Philippines are taught in English. So we don't hire anybody unless they have a college degree. And then we, we actually vet our candidates to make sure that they can speak, read, and write English, but also that they comprehend English. This is a big deal. Another thing in the Philippines, uh, there's a bunch of different dialects in the Philippines. So oftentimes, the Filipinos communicate in English if they don't understand each other's dialect. All the road signs are in English. So if you're looking for somebody that is going to be a client-facing or a writer or something like that, we have to uh, source for this. But oftentimes, people that are looking for more of a technical position, you know, it's amazing how talented the people are in the Philippines. The developers, the web developers, the graphic designers, they have so much talent. Now, their English may not be as good, but I'm okay with that because I'm talking with them. They're not talking with my clients. They're not writing my articles or my blogs or anything like that. They're developing beautiful sites using the latest technology and their, their hunger for learning never ceases to amaze me. So that's, that's probably one of the biggest concerns that I get. And then the second thing is, well, the time zone. They're 14 hours ahead of me. I'm Central Standard Time here in, in Springfield, Missouri, and they're 14 hours ahead of me. But when we source, we, we, we talk with our clients and say, when do you want them to work? Do, do you need them to be there eight to five? Do you need them or is this, is it, are they just doing research for you? Can they do it any time? So they will work in the Philippines. We'll source to say, hey, you need to work during eight to five central time, right? That's, that's what this job requires. Do you want this job? And I can't tell you the amount of people that are available in the Philippines. There's three shifts, first, second, and third, which means it covers a 24-hour 24 24-hour clock. So they can pretty much work any time. So those are probably the two main concerns that we get right off the top of my head. Well, it's interesting because I, you know, I remember when I first uh, hired my first VA and, and um, that was a question. It's like, well, exactly. How are we going to work with the time difference? And because they, you know, they've got young kids at home, they're up early. I said, just check in with me on Slack. And then really, uh, I want to respect your time zone. So as long as the work gets done, it doesn't need to be done during my, you know, my LA time zone. That's fine with me. But I sort of push back on a a couple of things, you know, and I, I know the answers to this, but, you know, our listeners might be thinking them and they can't ask you. So big concern. I've got remote staff. Um, How do I know they're working and getting the work done? Oh, great job. Great question. So what we do is we have a a software that we use that not only tracks their time, however, and keep in mind, it's, it's the same thing as if you are hiring somebody to come into your brick and mortar. You know, if, if you, I agree, I agree. So I'm not picking on them up. I totally agree. But people seem to have some weird idea that if you can't see the person and they're not sitting at their desk, that they, that they're probably not working. Exactly. So what we do in the, in those cases, we highly encourage weekly meetings at a minimum. I meet with my staff, my entire staff every Tuesday, and then the marketing team every Thursday in my, and, and this is part of what we teach in our, in our onboarding portal that we offer every, every client that comes on board because we want to help them hire really smart. What is it? Slow to hire, quick to fire, right? Yep. yep. So we build a lot of time up front and that's why I'm, I'm such a huge advocate of this, of really figuring out your systems and processes up front so that they know exactly, they meaning the VAs, know exactly what what's expected of them. So some of the measures that we put in place as the software that we use, it snaps photos uh, screenshots of their desktop anywhere from four to 27 times an hour. Now, we don't always, we don't send this out every time we invoice. We send out the hours, but we don't send this out. But if they think for some reason, wow, they worked, they didn't work, you know, 40 hours. There's no way. I, Jamie, can you send me the screenshots? And we'll send them out the PDF reports, the PDF screenshots of all the times that they were logged in. And so you can see their screen and what they were working on when they said they were working on them or claimed to have been working on them. Now, there's not a 100% foolproof way to prove this, but what we found is is that the VAs, the virtual assistants that are working, they understand this and they've signed an agreement to this effect that, that we're monitoring their workflow via screenshots and it's totally random, four to 27 times an hour. Um, so they know that they're being monitored and we send that report out when, you know, if someone just doesn't believe the hours and they want to see, hey, were they really working? So we do have that in place. 
Well, and that's fair enough. And then you're doing a lot more than I am. I mean, you know, I think that as, as business owners, or even if we're working for another company, you know how long generally it takes to do a task. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like you're just throwing darts at a board and you really don't know. I mean, you know that if you're going to build a post, a blog post and load an image and set up a social media, it's going to take about this much time. So you should be able to estimate, you know, the time required and then uh, give them instruction. So in terms of handling workflow, flow mm-hmm. and, and providing instruction, what what tips or advice would you give people that are considering this thing? Okay, well, it sounds like it might be a fit, but I'm really not sure um, how I would work with somebody that I can't sit across the desk or I can't get up on the whiteboard and show them. Yeah, so we, we do a lot of Zoom. So we do a lot of video conferencing where we can share the screen. Um, and, and oftentimes, so we meet twice a week with the company and the marketing team, but we also do a lot of individual meetings, especially when we either take on a new client or we're uh, solving a problem or if there's questions. And we, we also use project management software. And here we use Basecamp. Uh, we've been through Trello and, and Redbooth and Asana. So whatever, <laughs> whatever project management software, it, it works best for you, yeah. go for it. For us, we really love Basecamp. Camp. Um, we have all of our steps in there. We have all of our workflows in, uh, embedded into Basecamp. And then we have a client-facing software that we use called 17 Hats. And we love that, absolutely love that, because that really takes the onboarding process for our client and really manages that whole that whole process. What's neat about that, too, is that if I do, say, an initial consultation with a client and I talk to them and I answer their questions and and they're ready to proceed or move forward. It's at that point that I hand off to our operations manager and she walks them through the rest of the process. And it is exactly a process. It's a step-by-step. So every time we onboard somebody, we're doing the same steps every time. And that's a lot easier to be able to train and maintain good client relationships um, from the very get-go. Yeah, that makes sense. And and to your point of recording your tasks, I mean, I found that's been the easiest thing. The biggest win for me is, you know, if I'm going to hand off a particular task, like I want to hand off, you know, posting my podcast, social media stuff. And, I'm, I don't, you know, for that, I'm going to use Meet Edgar. All I do is I do a, a video capture of me going through the process once. Mm. And then you can archive that because, you know, I have to do it anyhow until I can hand it off. So that's kind of my approach is do it, do it a couple of times. So I understand what it is I want and how I want it to look, then capture that and then send it off. So what, what sort of tasks? So if I'm sitting, I mean, I'm listening to the podcast, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm working for this company or I've got my own company and I feel like there's not enough hours in the day and I'd really like to get home in the evening and see my spouse and hang out with my kids or do whatever I like to do. I'd like to get out to a hockey game once in a while. Oh yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah. I thought you might like that. You (laughs) actually, you know, um, you might be pretty close to becoming an honorary Canadian with your, with your enthusiasm for hockey and your politeness, man, you are so polite. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So what sort of tasks? So, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, fine, sounds good. I can get some help. So what can I expect if I'm going to hire someone? What sort of tasks do you think I can offload or, or send to or delegate? This is a really great question. And this is something that is hard to identify because there's so many different tasks, so many different jobs, so many different industries, so many different, you know, ways that people lead or operate. And so what what I do and what I recommend is we've created with the help of a good friend Scott Baby, the what we call a delegation roadmap. And what the delegation roadmap is, it's a series of, you take some time with this. And you said earlier, you are the one that creates the videos. You're the one that makes sure that it happens and then you delegate it. And that's really important. Too many people are, they look to hire too late, meaning they're up to their neck in chaos. And they say, I'm just going to hire a rock star and have them all figured out. And then two months down the road, after they spent time hiring and spent money on all of this, it doesn't work out. And they say, they're just terrible. Well, the challenge is, and, and I don't know if I really want to say I'm sorry, but to your listeners, it's it's your fault half the time. It's it's my fault. Be blunt, um, Jamie. It's okay. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> it's your fault. Get your act together and figure. But, I mean, I was running a million miles an hour, and so was it perfect? No. There's months that went by that I didn't provide instruction, but I, you know, that's my fault. Yeah, it, it really is. But that yeah. that goes back to okay, how do I know what tasks? 
to delegate. And that's this delegation roadmap. And what we do is I recommend people write down every single task they do in a given day. Now, this is time consuming. And for me, it's like nails on a chalkboard, painful. It, <laughs> yeah. However, what you do is not only write down every single task, but then you assign two values to each of these tasks. The first value is, does this task give you energy or does it not? And the second value is, is this something you must do, you have to do? Like, for instance, uh, Doug, you, you have to do this interview, right? It's your show. Or is it something that you can delegate? Well, for me, a great example would be my podcast. I have to do that podcast. It's something that I do. Does it give me energy? Heck yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. But do I have to do the editing? No. Does it give me energy? No. <laughs> it drains <laughs> me of energy. Do yeah. I have to do the show notes? Nope. Does it give me energy? No, it does not. What about publishing that or marketing that? Does it give me energy? Well, I have some fun sometimes posting, you know, on social media. That that gives me energy and stuff, but it's definitely not the high level details that I need to be paying attention to. I consider that more low level details. However, as long as I have a person in place or position to be an editor who loves editing, and we call him Magic Mike, he is amazing. He loves editing. In his spare time, he practices his editing. He learns new techniques and new things. He just loves it. So why not delegate something that somebody else totally loves to do that I can't stand to do that would free me up to do the other things that I really like to do? So you go through this list, this delegation roadmap, and pretty soon after you've identified all the tasks that don't give you energy, that you do not have to do, that you can delegate to, and guess what? That's step two. It leads you into creating a job role. And for people that don't have a job roles and responsibilities set before they make their hire, they're making a very big mistake. And I've done this before. I paid the price. I know from personal experience how difficult that is to do this after you hire somebody. So if you can create this job role by going through the delegation roadmap and figuring out all the tasks that don't give you energy and that you can delegate and you have this job role, not only are you ready for this interview to interview the candidates, but they know exactly what's expected of them. Sure. That makes sense. This is a really good way of helping you to really identify what tasks that you can delegate and, and it, 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 you can put it into blocks too. So obviously, you know, where there's no golden goose rule, you're not going to get a supernatural web developer who can also write a blog post for you that can, you know, do sales calls for you. That just, there's, there's, there's really no one like that but you can at least put it out into blocks and start a little bit by a little bit doing the things that, that you just don't want to do. For my personal assistant, she handles my email. She books my calendar. She makes calls and does research for me. These are things that I just don't have time for that she is unbelievable. And I have to tell you, I did my Enneagram and the two <laughs> biggest drawbacks of my personality, which is very hard for me to admit because I don't want to admit this, but this is me. I have a very hard time following up because I forget, because I'm so busy. And the other thing is I'm not very detailed. While it sounds like I love systems and processes, and I, and I do, it's hard for me to get the details down. And that's why so many times when I do a workflow, people on my staff, my team, they will improve it tenfold because of a couple details that I may have missed out on. So I just think that's, that's a really good way of identifying the tasks that you can delegate. Well, a couple of things came to mind as you were sharing that. And, you know, I think that, you know, the only reason that I've been able to continue my podcast is because I've got team. So when I started, I decided very early on that I didn't want to learn how to edit. So that wasn't an option. Didn't have the software, didn't know how, had to outsource it. And over the course of this last 14 months that I've been podcasting, I've continued to outsource more and more pieces. So now I'm down to inviting the guests that I want to talk to and then doing the interview and that's it. There's a yeah. process that when we, you know, we discontinue this call, the files will be uploaded to, to Dropbox. They will go to the editor. The editor will edit them. They will go out and be transcribed. And that whole process now right down to the social media posting happens without me. And it's not a, it's not a bragging point. It's just a, if I want to continue the podcast, the only way I can do that is by having team, because like you said, I, I, I don't have the cycles to do this and maintain the rest of my business if I had to do all the steps uh, to get this podcast out. 
I love it. That's a perfect example. One of the things I do know how to edit, I do know how to write my show notes, you know, SEO and all that stuff. And I do know how to publish it on the WordPress site. And I do know how to post to social media. And it's really good that I understand that at a basic level. But but that's not where I need to be focusing on my business. But it is important for me to kind of understand the process so that I can make sure that whoever I've delegated this to understands what it is that's expected of, of, of them. And at the same time, I can also go and make sure if there is something that needs to be tweaked, I can kind of look at that and be able to talk in somewhat intelligently to my developer, to the writer, to the editor. And, and I think that really helps, which goes back to your point earlier. I've done it in the beginning. I did yeah. all my own editing and everything. And I, for me, it was painful. <laughs> It, you know, an, an hour long podcast interview would take me two or three hours to do all of that other stuff. Yeah. And uh, that I'm really glad to have had that experience, but I definitely don't want to do it. Well, and the other thing that, that came to mind as you're mentioning that was I'm thinking of, you know, people that are that are working for a company and they're a C-level executive and, you know, maybe they're super happy with their jobs and that's their that's the goal. So listeners, that's you. You're happy to be there. What could you delegate that, you know, could add value to you with your employer? So could you build up a social media following and become an expert or an icon in your space? You know, you might not have time to do that during the day and your employer may not give you the resources to do that. But you could hire and train a VA to to do that. So that would make you more valuable for your not only your employer, but maybe an opportunity for someone else to hire you. Or if you wanted to set up and start a side hustle, you I, you know, I think you could work a full time job and run a podcast as long as all you had to do was the was the half hour or the 40 minute interview. If you could have everybody else do the rest. So it'd be a way to be an easy transition from where you are into something else. Hundred percent, and 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 podcast is a great example. But there's so many other things that you can do. You can have a personal assistant to a research booking travel for you, finding the best, uh, the most inexpensive way to get from point A to point B, uh, to schedule the hotel, to do all of these things that are taking away from building your business, growing your business, talking to clients, talking to prospects, you know, uh, reports. Uh, reports have a lot of systematization involved in them and it's step-by-step. Step. There's a lot of processes. Anything that you can establish a process for that you do that is not necessarily client-facing, even client-facing by all means, if you, if you wanna have somebody answer phones for you, there's scripts you could write, there's things that you can do. The next time you have a call and it's a sales call, Ask if you can record that call or or set up a recorder and record that call and listen back to it. Listen to what you said. And, and if you got that business, great, that call worked. Use that information and create a script from it. So it, it's basically any way you look at it, podcasting is just a really great example, but it's pretty much limitless as far as what you can do and delegate to, to help you maintain the focus and I'm concentrating on the bottom line or the big picture, the 30,000 foot view. And oftentimes you'll see, you'll go and you'll talk to these really successful CEOs and business leaders. And if you ask them about the details of the business, they have no idea. They have no idea. But they've done a really good job of delegation and their bottom line is great. And they're, they're enjoying their life. So I just want to further just add to your comment earlier about the quality of staff. So, you know, I, I think that my experience has been that the, the work ethic has been great. So listeners, if you're wondering, we're going to ask Jamie in a few minutes about where to find them, but I can't more highly recommend exploring this as a way to leverage yourself and your business. And I've had uh, a great experience. Yes, I've had to release some staff, but, you know, I, I've had to release or, or, or let some of my, my local staff go to other opportunities as well because weren't a fit so it's, it's no different but um, i'm surprised at the level of commitment with my remote staff my va staff in the philippines that far exceeds anything i've experienced locally thank you for saying that i really appreciate it because we do get a lot of good feedback and it seems that when people have challenges what i've found is when i really dug into what the challenges are it's because their systems and processes weren't there. For all the people that have good systems and processes and have really learned how to delegate well, and, and this is something that I feel needs to be learned over time, but once they get that down, it is life-changing. So I really appreciate you um, sharing uh, your positive 
uh, experiences with them. Yeah, I mean, it's the other thing I shared, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's kind of not. And I shared with you before we got on listeners, so I, probably, I haven't shared this before. But the downside to to sometimes having all your staff local is that they, they, they see who you are and where you live and what you do. And, you know, the, the reason that we started companies or started a business is to grow our business because we wanted the freedom and we wanted to have the ability to, you know, to earn more money or to help people or whatever. And I found there's been an advantage of, of not having all my staff local. I've got friends of mine who are business owners and, you know, it's it sometimes can become an issue. You, um, with your local staff, if they see, hey, you're not you're not in the office all the time, it's like, well, how come I'm in the office all the time, and how come mm. you're out doing this, or how come you're out doing that? And it's like, well, because for ten years I was in the office all the time, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's kind of an odd thing, you know. There's sometimes there's a bit of the boss makes all the money and I do all the work, but the boss also takes the risk and has put up the investment capital, and you know, in in some cases, at least in my case, you know, you've lost it all and you've had to start again. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with culture and how you run the company as a business leader. I mean, even with remote a remote staff, you may get a little bit of that, but it's the I guess the inner office politics are drastically drastically reduced. And uh especially when something doesn't work out and uh a business leader's, you know, unfortunately has to let someone go, oftentimes relationships are built in a brick and mortar and that may cause, you know, a little rift within the uh, brick and mortar, you know, organization. Whereas a remote assistant, uh, if, if they're dismissed, they're dismissed. And there's really not that rift that may occur uh, walking into the office every day, that strange feeling that one may, may get. So yeah, I think, I think you nailed on a, on a pretty important aspect of the remote worker or, or the virtual assistants. There's, there's so many more added benefits too that with regards to overall cost. And, you know, if you fire somebody in, in the U S you know, you could be, there's unemployment for up to six months, you could be paying 75% of what they're there and they're not even there anymore. Um, so, you know, in, in the Philippines, you don't, you don't have that worry. And, and I don't say this because, you know, I, I want to see people fire and not have to worry about it, but it's, it's the level, again, this goes back to a level of freedom and something else that you don't have to worry about being a business leader. So we talked a little bit uh, before we got started today. And so I love this question. So I'm looking forward to hear your answer. So what are you most excited about as it relates to your business or what you're working on now or in the next six to 12 months? Oh my gosh, this is super easy. We are in the process <laughs> of launching a new division and we, we're, not, we're not taking it quite live yet, but what we're doing is, is we're starting a pilot program and the pilot program has been very successful starting out. And we're going to be running through the process, and and I will say it's it's in the medical industry, so it's a niche within the medical industry where we're going to be helping out uh, physicians ultimately improve their quality of life by uh, helping share ways to make their practices more profitable and uh, more way more efficient. And I'm I'm really really pumped about this one. This is uh, exciting, and this goes this goes to show how important it is to niche down instead of being so general. Niching down on something has really helped us out. We're able to get the verbiage down. We talk to the exact right audience, which is a lot smaller, but uh, we're able to really uh, communicate with them in a way that they understand. And we've had so much positive feedback, really no negative feedback at this point, but a lot of really good questions to help us really tweak the the service that we're offering. So I'm really excited about this next venture. Yeah, I've, it's been, you know, exciting, uh, you know, as you've shared in the mastermind, that whole process and how it's winding up. And I'm looking at a quote from a friend of yours that I'm going to read, and I'm sure you know who it is. There's a big difference between playing someone else's game and designing your own. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, so do you want to share with our, our, our listeners kind of what you're doing in terms of your, your podcast business and how you're helping this, uh, this special person grow? 
Sure thing. Um, with with the understanding that focus, finding uh, opportunities by creating uninterrupted strategy sessions, I've really honed down and focused this year on Bottleneck. And so I had another company, or still do, it's called Podcast Pilot, but my girlfriend runs and operates that now, To and, and she's do, unbelievable um, what she's done with that company. And so it allows me to stay focused on Bottleneck, but we do have uh, this client that this quote that you mentioned, Christopher Lockhead, we've, he had a podcast called Legends and Losers, and we recently rebranded to follow your different. He's also one of the co-authors of an amazing book, Play Bigger. And for the solo entrepreneur, he has another book called Niche Down and highly recommend uh, reading one or both of those books. They are um, unbelievable, but we've had such an unbelievable experience with Christopher Lockhead and we help him. Sarah's produces his show. Uh, uh, he produces his podcast. He doesn't like to say show. <laughs> so <laughs> she helps him produce his podcast. And we've just seen amazing, amazing results. And just recently going through going through any kind of a, a brand change or a name change and, and, and updating can be challenging to say the least. And we've experienced our, our ebbs and flows and which Christopher would define as losery. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, it's the word he made up and defined himself. Which so I he's thought. not quite as played as you are then. <laughs> he, he is definitely, he's definitely direct, uh, but I, I love him for it. He's, he's become an unbelievably great friend. And because of the dedication, our passion for working with him, we've seen these challenges just, just today for a podcast to gain mainstream media coverage, that is that is amazing. And uh, received a call or a message this morning that um, he recently interviewed uh, the MVP of uh, the NBA Finals for the Golden State Warriors, um, Andre Iguodala, Iggy, and he interviewed him and they had an incredible conversation. Where else can you get inside the life of an MVP of the NBA finals. And, and Christopher did an unbelievable job during that interview. And it got picked up by, oh my gosh, business news and Google. And it right now, if you Google at the, this day and time, if you Google even warriors has nothing to do with podcasting, nothing to do with Christopher, nothing to do with Andre he pops up first out of 926 million results. And this is something to be said because the podcasting medium, it's, 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 I think it's still small. It's relatively small, but to gain mainstream exposure like that is, is unbelievable. And I just, I just can't thank Christopher enough for entrusting us to work with him on this thing. He is, he's amazing. And if, if anybody wants to listen to another podcast, I don't, I don't want to take away uh, Doug because I, I love your show. He has a little bit of a different show. Um, and I just, I'm just so, I don't know how I can say it, but I'm proud of him. I just, I'm glad he's stuck in there and uh, this is a hobby for him. You know, he's retired. This is, this is his hobby. And, and uh, it's just, I have, I have no words. I was talking with you before we got on today, <laughs> how excited I was for him. Yeah. And it just, it you know, CBS News or sports and, and Yahoo Sports, they're covering a podcast. It's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, you're right, because I can, I can see it on, you know, SoundCloud and all the different places. It's all linked on Google. So yeah, I just wanted you to share that. I mean, because you've been working hard and there's just an example of somebody, you know, there's a good example of somebody who's been super successful in business, who's got the resources and, and retired, has the time to do it, yet he hired help. Yep. To, to fill in the blanks and to fill in the pieces that that either he doesn't want to do or is not good at. And and now you've had your first, well, I know it's not an MBA term, but you've had your first grand slam with him in that, yeah. you know, the, he's picked up from, I'm sure the first of many knowing, um, knowing the way that you guys work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And thank you for allowing me to uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, Cause I think, I think you're right. I think you nailed it right on the head. This is a, this is a great example of outsourcing uh, something that, you know, finding somebody that really enjoys doing what they want to do and um, leveraging their talent and skill so that you can continue to do, or in this case, Christopher can continue to do what he really loves by um, having incredible, legendary conversations. 
Well, and the reason I want to mention that was, you know, I, you know, sometimes the, the feedback is, well, yeah, you, you need to get help or you have to have help. I can do it on my own. And I think that the, the perspective is wrong. Strong people will build a team and hire people and weak people will try to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. At least that's maybe that's a really negative way of looking at it. But he's just an example of someone who's had a lot of success and, and has made a decision that, hey, uh, you know, if I want to have some success, I need to get a, the right team to help me move, um, you know, move forward. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So, Mr. Jamie J, where is the best place for people to track you down, hunt you down, connect with you, and see all the smart and wonderful things that you're doing? <laughs> well, thank you. It, it basically, you go to bottleneck.online. And that's that's pretty much it. I mean, we're all over social media, uh, Facebook, and I, I think Twitter. And I don't know if we're on Twitter anymore. And I, to be honest with you, I'm 100% not sure. All the social media we're on. <laughs> okay, but you, you are, you are still online. on Twitter. I, I did look you up. You're, you're you, still there. You can do this, though. And I'm, I'm really proud of this. You can Google. And this is one thing I, I would suggest people do if, if they're interested in, in searching for virtual assistants is, is really take your time and, and research the companies because there's a lot of really good companies out there. And, and we all do a little bit different. We all have different responsibilities or different areas of expertise. So I, I really recommend that people do that. But if you do happen to go out and Google uh, virtual assistant companies, uh, we will show up first. <laughs> uh, we've been, we've, we were an editor's choice and for virtual assistant companies. And so, uh, but, but please take the time to do the research there and go out and really research and, and talk with a couple different companies and find out what it is that they do and, and how they operate so that you feel the most comfort you can feel in moving forward in this venture. Cause it, it can be a challenging and scary time. I mean, this is, this is this is your company. Uh, you want to grow it. It's it's your voice. It's it's who you are, and I think you want to be best represented. And whoever you bring on board should really buy into your culture, your voice, and, and your strategies. That's excellent. Couldn't agree more. So, hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. This is uh, brings us to a close of another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Uh, we had a great conversation. I would highly recommend that you do some research. I mean, maybe you want to start go by going back and having to read through Tim Ferriss's book, but definitely go take a look at the resources. Uh, we're going to transcribe the show notes. We'll have the details there. I'll make sure the links to Jamie's sites there if you uh, can't remember it as you're driving and listening. But uh, yeah, I've had great experience hiring remote staff, hiring staff in the Philippines. And uh, I would encourage you to write a comment, write a, ask a question on the bottom of the show notes or reach out to Jamie directly. He's a super a nice guy, as you've heard. So thanks again, Jamie, for, uh, for sharing with our audience today. Well, there we go. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.